as you know, the, the family forums are, are designed to give us uh, a, a focused time to be able to uh, zero in on family life. And, and most often, we come at it from the perspective of parents. And so most of the, the, not most, all of the content in the last several years has been geared towards different issues that we face as parents, different things we might want to be doing as parents to help our, our kids uh, really come to deeper conversion. But we want to periodically uh, remind ourselves that in addition to being parents, we're, we're spouses. And that to be good parents, uh, it really helps if our marriage is, is strong. And so we're, we're, gonna, we're deviating tonight from our, our normal focus on parents uh, to focus on uh, being husbands and being wives. And we have the, the uh, privilege to have Ed and Leslie uh, to share with us tonight. He's going to share with us on the topic of friendship and marriage. My wife Mary and I had, a, had the, it was a, a real privilege and a gift. Uh, Ten years ago, next month, uh, we had an opportunity to be with Ed and Leslie for an extended period of time and to together renew our, our marriage vows, um, our 25th. That was 10 years ago. <coughs> Where'd that go? But being with them then and, and just sharing community life, uh, the thing I appreciate about Ed and Leslie is that what you see is what you get. Uh, tremendously real, tremendously authentic, and, and they live the life. Uh, what they aspire to, they really put into practice. And it's, it's been a great gift uh, for Mary and I to share life with the two of you. Let's um, extend our hands and maybe, who needs an outline? Everybody have an outline? There should be some. Lewis, are there some in the back yet? If you could come, yeah, just come through the aisles and make sure everybody gets them, that'd be super. Let's extend our hands in prayer and just pray over Ed and Leslie as they come to share with us. Lord, we thank you for Ed and Leslie for the gift of their life in the community and the gift of their family, the gift of their marriage. We ask that you would use them tonight to both instruct and inspire us. Lord, we ask that you would speak through them to us. Please open up our ears and our hearts that we can hear and receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for coming out tonight. Good to see so many of you here. As we were um, praying, I was, um, I saw that flag over there <clears throat> and the crucifix and I felt like I was back in, uh, in grade school and the picture of the Last Supper. Kind of neat to uh, see that flag. Um, Mark talked about uh, 10 years ago, I'm going to talk about 9 years ago. Uh, 9 years ago, this night, um, we gave, Leslie and I gave a talk on the husband-wife meeting. In a, I can't remember where it was now. But that, we, we had a weekend um, family forum. And that next morning, we were on our way back, and that's when I broke my neck. So um, uh, March 10th, 2007. So um, I was thinking about that. I, I think about that, and I go to the accident site every year and just kind of look around and pray and thank the Lord for the gift of being able to be alive and being able to walk. Um, so some of you remember that. Uh, tonight is a continuation of the uh, married couples retreat, really. Um, we're, we have lifted material 
from the same book that we were looking at um, uh, a year ago. Uh, so it, it is The Meaning of Marriage by Keller. And, and how many have bought that book? Oh, wow, that's not enough hands. Okay, that would be a great book to buy, actually. Very good book to buy. And Leslie and I are covering basically chapter four, <clears throat> which is called The Mission of Marriage. And chapter, part of chapter five, which is called Loving the Stranger. Okay. As I was uh, rereading that book, I was reminded of Aristotle. <clears throat> uh, when I, when I was uh, 24 years old, <clears throat> after traveling on the road for three years with a band, um, I came back to school and I came to the College of St. Thomas at the time. It was co-ed at that time, uh, 1980. And uh, I just loved it. I just loved being back at school, just ate it up. And one of the courses that many of you have taken is ethics, right? <clears throat> And, they, and they, they, the book that they use is Aristotle's Ethics. And in there, there's a definition of friendship um, that is, is interesting to think about tonight. So he has three kinds of friendship. The first, does anybody know this? The first kind is the friendship of utility. This is, this is like the, um, the milkman or going to a benefit to meet with some people to kind of help your business. It's about usefulness, friendship of usefulness, right? The next, uh, the next category of friendship that he talks about is the friendship of pleasure. It's a deeper friendship. And uh, that's like uh, going fishing with the buddies, right? Um, it's like uh, getting together for morning coffee um, to talk with your sisters. It's like um, um, it's like you know meeting meeting someone together that you enjoy and you receive a blessing from it. You receive pleasure from it. The, um, the last definition contains part of the other two. And, um, and it is um, a deeper reality. Uh, it's not a feeling. It's not based upon feelings. Um, it is in and of itself good. And it, it requires time, commitment, energy, and, um, and it is called the friendship of goodness. And the two people actually make each other more whole. Okay. So as we talk tonight, um, uh, you'll, you'll see some of those definitions of friendship coming up. Um, last, as part of the introduction, Jesus talked about friendship. Isn't that cool? Uh, John 15, 15. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go forth and bear fruit. Just a couple aspects of that definition, John 15, 15. One, freedom. We're not slaves. We're free. Uh, number two, making known. That for the things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known. There's something about making known yourself which is risky, which is hard, but making known yourself to your friend. So making known. And, and third, we choose it. We choose this 
person, these people, to give our hearts to. All right. If I was a more eloquent speaker, I wouldn't do what I'm going to do now. Okay? But I'd like to set a mood for you. Uh, Mark and Randy and, and, and Mary have already done a nice job of actually setting some of this mood. But I'd like to move it a little bit further. So I'd like you to, to, I'd like to take you back when you first fell in love, when the relationship was new, when, you've, when you, um, you were hopeful, you wanted to move forward, you wanted to go deeper. The friendship had with your, maybe it was your fiance, maybe you were married at the time, but think back how you wanted to give all of yourself. You wanted to take it deeper. You wanted to do this forever. You wanted to make this commitment. You wanted to change what is weak and make it strong for the other person. You wanted to be the best person you could be and let go of what was weighing you down. Let me ask you, how do you feel you're doing with those things now? Are you still doing that in your marriage relationship? Are you still taking risks? Are you still going deeper? Is your friendship growing? Are you giving it top priority? So what I'd like you to do is think about that, okay? And I'm going to play a song for you that, that says to breathe in the life all around you and breathe out the things you want to let go. Okay? And so for, for three minutes, let's just listen and think and go back to the beginning. <clears throat> We talked on the marriage retreat last year about the essence of marriage. Marriage is more than feelings or emotions, but it does contain them, and it contains romance. But feelings and emotions can change, and we can fall out of love, out of the feeling of love, right? You can't command a feeling, but you can command an action. Paul says, husbands love your wives. Powerful feelings and delight in one another can come and go, but love rooted in committed friendship is the essence of marriage and how it is sustained. So marriage is commitment. But what is marriage for? What is marriage for? Well, uh, as Catholics, we would certainly say, well, marriage is for children, right? That's true. Uh, marriage is to build the kingdom of God. Marriage is to delight God and give him glory. I think those are all true. But let's go back to the original story in Genesis. <clears throat> God created day one, day two, three, four, five... And he said at the end of each one of those days, it is good. He created something. He created the, the heavens. He created the earth. He, he made land. He made animals. He said it was good. Then he created man, and he sort of summarized everything, and he said, this is very good. This is very good. And then, in the next chapter... It, it's strange. Um, God said it was not good. It was not good. What, what wasn't good? That man was alone. It wasn't good that man was alone. Strange. How could Adam be perfect? 
be in a perfect situation, have a perfect relationship with God, and be alone. It's interesting. I guess we can surmise that the vertical relationship with God was not enough. He was a man. He had a body. He was in this paradise. And he was lonely in paradise. Why? Well, the answer may lie in this statement. Let us make man in our image. Who is us? Who is our? The angels? The animals? No, it's the... We're pretty sure, right? The Trinity. Let us, Father, Son, and Spirit, let us make man in our image. So we're made in his image. We're made relational. We're designed for relationships and commitment. So here's Adam in the beauty of the garden and in perfection and in perfect union with God and the dog, man's best friend, just doesn't do it. Doesn't cut it. Our relational capacity is not filled. It's awesome to think that all the comforts, all the pleasures, all the things that we so want and work hard for, they're not enough. The Beatles said, can't buy me love. Right? This relational capacity to love and be loved is so integral in who we are. Think of the example of Scrooge in A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens. Remember that scene in Christmas Past where the young Scrooge is at the party of Fezziwig? I don't know how many are familiar with the story, but he's at this party. What's, what's happening is the ghost of Christmas past is taking him back in his life. And he's at this party, and everybody's happy, and he's mulling it over, right? And, and he has a, a, a fiance. I think they were engaged at the time. Belle. Belle. And, and, and Scrooge decides at that moment that he wants money and security and power rather than relationship. And what happens with good old Scrooge? He's miserable. He's a miserable man his whole life. So God created a helpmate, a companion, a friend. The point here is that God didn't just create a lover. He also created a friend. Adam's response bears this out. That was my first pun. Here is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. You know, he didn't he didn't say, "Oh my gosh, I love this woman. He, he looked at her and he said, oh my gosh, someone like me, someone I can share life with. This is about friendship and about love, but it's about, it's about companionship. And the, in, in, the, um, in the catechism, which I've printed out for you, there's, uh, in 1605 it says, Holy Scripture affirms that man and woman were created for one another. It is not good that man should be alone. The woman, flesh of his flesh, his equal, his, his nearest in all things, is given to him by God as a helpmate. And I, I, I love this part. She represents God from whom comes our help. So I began with the question, what is marriage for? For family, yes. But first of all, to be us. It's about us. It's about being together, coming together 
and sharing this life, sharing all that this life can be. Song of Songs, this is my lover, this is my friend. So we're going to move into the qualities of this friendship that God has given us. So I'm still trying to figure out the pun. Bear. Not with hair. Bear. They were naked. Sophisticated <laughs> 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 It's a guy thing. I get it, but I don't want it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about. You don't have to be too close to it. Qualities of. Friendship and marriage. Friendship and marriage. You know, I, I think we've all seen, maybe you even had that wedding invitation today. I'm marrying my best friend. Probably seen that. I love that. I, that's okay. Hopefully that was true for those that couple. Hopefully you did. But we're gonna talk about what this looks like in marriage. Four qualities. So the first one is faithfulness, constancy. When I joined my women's group, I, you know, I was making a promise to show up, to be there, to share. I need my women's group, it's, it's great. But I didn't make a covenant, sacramental promise to them. But when we got married, we said, I promise to love you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. That was a sacrament. That was a promise. It was for life. We were promising to be a faithful lover and friend. deeper than, I'm in love with you and I want to marry you. It's saying when you're weak, I'm going to stay. When I'm disappointed, I'm not leaving. When life gets really overwhelming and stressful, I'm not going to run away. When I discover that you're a sinner, when I discover I'm a sinner, It doesn't mean that I'm going to meet all your needs. It doesn't mean I'm going to answer all your questions and that I'm never going to fail you. But what it means is, no matter what, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. That's powerful. A true friend doesn't leave when it isn't fun anymore. A true friend is loyal, doesn't joke about you when you're not around, doesn't participate in negative humor about you. There's a loyalty in how we speak, a loyalty in our heart, if we're a real friend, right? We're faithful. Two. In true friendship, and especially in marriage, there is transparency, honesty, openness in charity. In Ephesians 5, Paul talks about how Christ gave himself up for the church, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. 
Even so, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Jesus is our model. In his redemptive work, he is our spouse, our friend, like I talked about. And when we marry, we should see ourselves cooperating with the Holy Spirit in the redemptive work, in his redemptive work in each other. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Ephesians 4.15. However, there's a problem here. When I feel motivated to speak the truth in love to Ed, it's usually about something that affects me. I know he's a sinner because he sins against me. So we're talking more of, not so much about resolving conflict or communication. We have wonderful seminars about resolving conflict and communication. Those are tools. But what we're really talking about is Hebrews 10.24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us consider this. Is this just something that irritates me? Or is this sin that I need to consider how the Lord can use me to help you? Am I reacting in anger or hurt? Or do I really desire to see you free and growing in holiness? There's kind of a subtle difference. But how I speak to Ed is going to be determined by what my motivation is. If I'm just reacting when he's irritable, I'm going to say, why are you so cranky? You know, you need to, you know, be more kind. I mean, shape up. That's the truth. But how is that going to move him toward love and holiness? If I'm motivated in that way, then I might say, wow, you're not really yourself today. Are you all right? Is something going on? Can I help you? There's a difference. Better is open rebuke than hidden love, and faithful are the wounds of a friend. would be that I would be so pursuing holiness that I would just ask for those wounds from my faithful friend. Just tell me the truth. Just, you know, when I'm out of order, you just call me on. Bring it on. But I don't like being corrected. I don't think any of us do. He knows me. Why don't I ask Ed for help in areas where I, that I really want to overcome and where I really want to grow? It's because if I do, I will have to change. I'm living with him. It's different than just sharing it with my small group. I mean, they can help me. They can call me on. They can pray for me. I can be transparent there. But when I share something with Ed and say, Ed, I need you to really help me here, then we're getting down to business. This is going to be more powerful. This is going to have a far deeper effect in my life. <clears throat> and I really think that you will want to give you great examples because examples can be distracting. You're not me. 
you're not Ed. But I think it's helpful to kind of see some concrete things, what this could look like. So here I am. This is what I deal with sometimes. I'll buy a shirt. And I have two little flies that buzz around my head. Fly number one. Just hang it up. Put it away. You don't have to tell Ed you want that shirt. There's nothing wrong with buying a shirt. Just wear it a few times, he'll never notice. <laughs> After a couple months, he'll say, hey, nice shirt. How long have you had that? I've had it forever. <laughs> Don't even have to deal with it, right? Just be sneaky. It's a sneaky fly. Then there's a fly over here. You shouldn't have bought that shirt. What the heck were you even shopping for? You should have been home. You should have been ironing his shirts. You should have been reading your Bible. What were you shopping for? The guilty fly. And they fly around my head, and they're distracting, and I'm like, I don't know where I'm at. And this comes from all kinds of places in my past and all kinds of things. So finally, I think, okay, I'm going to ask Ed what he thinks of this. So I bring it up. And the first thing he said was, I know you deal with this. I know you struggle with this. And for some reason, I loved that. He said, what he was saying was, I know you. I know your dad. I know your mom. I know you wanted to be a nun. <laughs> I know you. And then we talked about it, and it was really helpful. And I found a lot of freedom in that. It was great. So sometimes we can do this, and it can be very healing. It can be freeing. I don't know if you want to share your little story. So on the men's side of the world, <clears throat> men, men uh, I don't struggle with buying shirts. I never buy shirts. <laughs> she buys my shirts. <laughs> you like my shirt? <laughs> No, I think men struggle with different things. So um, probably about uh, 10 years ago, somewhere in there, 2004, I'd say, uh, it was my birthday. And, and I decided on this birthday that I need a reward. That's very dangerous <laughs> for men. So there was this movie I wanted to, to watch, and, the, and it wasn't a pornographic movie. It was a, it was a movie, though, to be honest, and to not varnish this over, it was a movie that I was attracted to the sensuality of the movie, okay? That's what I was after. So, got it? <clears throat> not a good scene. So I was out at the office, and I, um, you know, people left, and I, put in this movie, and I watched it. And when I came up for air, I looked at the clock, and it was 6.15, it was my birthday. I had just, I had just wasted a couple hours, and I was gonna be late for my birthday dinner. And I just started feeling, I had been kind of double-minded anyway, but I was just really bumming out now, I was feeling really, really like a slime. So I, so I get out of there, jump in the car, go home. It's after 6.30, and I come into the house. Okay, it's, it's, it's already dark. This is October. I come into the house. It's light. It's warm. There's a smell of food. The kids are sitting at the table. They're talking. They're smiling. And I'm just like, I just came from death to life. <clears throat> and right at that moment as I started walking over to sit down at the table, I decided I'm going to tell Leslie about this and I'm going to tell her tonight. So when the kids, kids, we had a nice birthday dinner and I said, and I told her what, what had happened and I said, <clears throat> if I do that again, I'll tell you. And that was coming clean and our friendship demanded it. It demanded it. That's what I needed to do, and that's what I did. 
and that's what we need to do. And if we don't do it, there's a door, and it's, it's got a lock on it in our heart, and it's dark in there. And we don't want those doors in our friendship with our husbands and our wives. elephants in the room. Some of you are thinking, there is no way I'm ever finishing that with my wife or my husband. But I think as we go through this talk, we're not giving you this big prophetic assignment. You need to go home and bury your souls. <laughs> Tell all. No. I think what we want to do is give you hope. Because actually, the things that you most have the hardest time, that you most struggle with, the thing that you most would never tell your spouse, are probably the things that most affect your relationship, and most deeply affect your relationship with the Lord, and your ability to receive His love and mercy. Friendship grows slowly, very slowly. Trust grows. And as we share these little things, I mean, for me, sharing the thing about the shirt was not a big deal for me, honestly. This wasn't like a big, deep, dark sin. They were flies buzzing around my head, and I just needed him to swap them for me. And as we do that, day after day, year after year, and eventually, I mean, isn't this the place where we can find the deepest healing? Because this is the most intimate relationship you have. And if these things are the, are the deepest things that are affecting you and your relationship with the Lord, isn't this the place of healing? I think it is. And I think the evil one would tell us to stay in our corners. Now, the only way that this can happen is in an environment of encouragement and affirmation. That's the air we breathe. Our words are powerful. What Ed says about me is what I believe, and I don't care what you say, for good or for bad. The affirmation that we give each other heals us, and it can counter the lies that we tell each other that we tell ourselves. Speaking the truth isn't just to criticize. Speaking the truth is speaking the truth. There are a lot of ways to tell each other the truth in encouragement. Of course our words are powerful. A look, a hug, A good meal. It all says you matter to me. I'm here for you. I believe in you. Sometimes it's you're better than this. You know, I we can get through this. You can do it. We need to communicate gratitude and support. of the good. Eros is described as two people looking at each other. We need that. We need affection. We need to be attracted to each other. We need that romance. But to build and sustain that, we need to be looking towards something that's beyond us together. It's like a picture of two people looking at an amazing sunset. Beautiful. And she is just looking at all the beautiful colors and thinking about the creativity of the Lord, and 
He's looking at her. Or, or the opposite. She's angry that he's not looking at her. One of our daughters, who was not here in this room, years ago, had this amazing relationship. He was just a great, a great guy, very nice. And he adored her. He was so thoughtful. He called her. He gave her little gifts. He, was, he wanted to be there when she was sad. It was like, you know, she was the center of his universe. And she was so flattered, and for a while it was just great. You know, this guy, man, he just adores me. But then she started to think, he doesn't have any friends. He doesn't like my friends. When we're with other people, he just wants to be with me. And before she broke him up, broke up, she broke him up, she really did actually. <laughs> before she broke up with him, she said this profound thing. She said, I don't want to be the adventurer. I want him to be on an adventure and invite me in. And it was profound and it was very hard because she was kind of in an insecure time in her life, and she really, maybe she did want to be the center of someone's universe, but you really don't. You really don't. It's great if you have some things in common. You know, a few years ago, Ed bought some cross-country skis for our anniversary, and it was an investment in our relationship. We can do this together, we can get outside, we can get some exercise. There's all kinds of fun things, you know, maybe you garden together and you grow food and you love that. Or maybe you read books and you like to talk about philosophy. You know, there's, there's all kinds of things that we have that, that enhance our relationship and, and help our friendship. But there are deeper things that we really do have. One is our faith. We're looking toward the Lord. We're pursuing heaven together. It's beyond us. It's bigger than us. We're growing toward it. If we have children, we have this mission to bring our children to the Lord. We're a team. It's our mission. We're doing this together. It's beyond us. And we're called to a mission to bring others to Christ. When you were single, you were asking the Lord, what's my call? You know, Lord, What's my mission? What are you calling me to do in the church, in the world, to bring people to Christ? Now the question is, what are you calling us to do? What is our mission? What is our family called to? Your evangelism is going to happen in the context of your marriage and your family. It's not just my thing over here, right? So we have this mission that we need to look to and work to together. And there are problems. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to go faster. <clears throat> so what are, the, what are some of the obstacles, the difficulties to this us, to this oneness that we want to have in our relationship? Um, all of them have to do with self-centeredness, of course. <clears throat> the first one is losing the vision of us. How does this happen? Slowly. Uh, in our culture, there are so many messages about me, right? My independence, my individualism, my personal development, achievement, um, you know, getting my resume ready for the next thing. Um, my need for time alone. Um, those aren't the priority. Those aren't the priority. The priority is to follow Christ and you have made a commitment and a bond in this marriage and to become one. So it's not about me, it's about us. That's number one. Number two, an obstacle is slipping into the feeling of entitlements. I deserve better. How's this 
how's this working for me? What's my reward here? I'm feeling trapped. We're, we're really back to the friendship of utility uh, from Aristotle. We're, we're, we're trying to, to, to get some help, to, get, uh, to help me out here. Um, and really, the opposite of this, the thing that we should pursue, is that we are donative. We are giving this gift of ourselves to each other. The third one is becoming careless. And becoming careless um, leads to not caring in our thoughts, words, actions. And a lot of times when we become careless, we lose creativity in our relationship. And the opposite of this is we need to be mindful of us. We need, need to be mindful of our, of the other, of the other of us. Um, next is allowing minor unresolved differences to go unresolved, <clears throat> unaddressed, and then they become a wedge. Um, and we have times of dis we we have times of disagreement. I think all of you have times of disagreement where you don't. Um, you're kind of on opposite sides. This is natural. We're two different people. It's really part of the principle of complementarity. We're different. We're we see things differently, and we're trying to work to 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 get the best, the best from both of us. And and sometimes in that whole messy process. Uh, we hurt one another. Well, we just need to take care of it. You know, we, we all know the scripture, don't let the sun go down on your anger. We need to, to clean it up. And, and sometimes our pastoral uh, meeting, our, or our husband-wife meeting, is a good way, is a good time in our life to be able to clean that up. Uh, focusing all of our energy into something else. Um, and, and a lot of times uh, in the book, um, uh, he, he talks about how a lot of times it's not the bad things that get marriages broken. A lot of times it's actually the good things. Um, so things like um, uh, he's married to his work. She says, he's married to his work. Well, work is a good thing. And it's good to be committed. But that's not the most important thing. Or you might say, um, uh, she is all wrapped up in the kids. Well, the kids are, are good. They need lots of attention. But if we're all wrapped up in these good things, we can lose the us. So that's, that's, a, that's, that's subtle, but it's important to, to look at in our relationship. The, other, the last one is the inability to adapt to change. Now, we work with young married couples. Now, think, of, think about this. You've got this young lady who's got a job, goes out with her friends, has coffee. You know, she's having a great life. She's in college. She's learning all kinds of new things. She meets you. And all at once, she's married, she's pregnant, she has a child. She's a different person. She's living a different life. And so are you. I, I remember when, when we got engaged, a switch just kind of flipped in my mind. I went from wooing my future spouse to wondering how on earth I'd provide for this spouse. And I just dove into studies and dove into work and it was it was radical it was a radical change I was kind of looking at myself going what am I doing um, <clears throat> so um, uh, we need to we need to 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 and and we change over time you know life in your in your 30s with three kids is very different and now uh, for example, in the last change that we went through, Leslie was just thrilled. Uh, um, I don't know if anybody, any of our children are here, but she was just thrilled that we were, that we were home alone, right? 
I went through a, a bit of mild depression, honestly. <laughs> and, and I didn't like the empty nest. You know, I, 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 I missed the interaction, I missed the kids. So there's, so, so, so it's interesting that, that we need to, so, so sometimes we need to um, I love the stranger and the stranger is our spouse. And sometimes the stranger is me. And, and so there's, there's lots of times in our relationship as time goes on where we need to react and move and pray about and <coughs> deal with change and our own change in ourselves. Okay, just really brief. Okay. We timed this, but. Just, just some practical things. How do you strengthen friendship in your marriage? First, first and foremost, how do you be faithful? Be faithful to your husband, wife, me. And what does that mean? First of all, be faithful to having it. Protect the time. Plan it. Think ahead of time. What you're going to share. And, and after you pray together in that meeting, what's the first thing you talk about? Who knows? What's the first thing we do? Honor each other. Graduate of the Young Married Program, A+. Plus. <laughs> I honor you for. That's, that's what we've been talking about. This is what I see. This is the truth. You need to hear this. I honor you for this. This is how I've seen you love. This is what I've seen you overcome. This is what I see in you. And we draw it out of one another. The real, this is the real you, okay? You need to hear this truth every week. Isn't that awesome? And if we think about it ahead of time, we've actually got something to share. And then being, being transparent, too. We can think about it ahead of time. You know, if there's something that, that I feel like I need to tell it, you know, that I'm seeing, I'm not just reacting. I'm doing it in the context of this loving time that we have together. That meeting should be powerful. It's not just a check-in. It's not just a go-over schedule. This can be a powerful time in your marriage. Really. Use it well. Plan it. Do it. Use it well. So that's the main That's the main thing. Um, just a couple other things. Poor, you know, you're busy, you, know, you don't have time, but we're at war here, you know, there's a, there's a war on marriage, but there's really a war going on in your marriage, the evil one hates you, and doesn't want, he wants to kind of keep you on, on kind of a straight line here, let's not go too deep, you need to date, and, and please don't go to a movie, okay, can we do better? Be creative. Think about ways that you want to spend time together. Ways that, it's got, that are going to, it takes energy. Um, so be creative about how we spend time together. And lastly, just um, we need other friends. We need to be around other singles and other couples who inspire us and who, who kind of make us more three-dimensional. Ed and I go to a lot of meetings. We go to a lot of meetings. And so when someone calls, Especially if it's somebody who wants to go on a 500-mile bike ride up there. <laughs> I don't want to do it. <laughs> or they want to, you know, sit around a campfire when it's 20 below. This is going to be fun. I don't want to get dressed and go do this. But, but honestly, this is what we need. This brings us life. We need other, we need other people in our life. And again, it takes time, it takes energy, but somebody prayed for joy. Somebody prayed for joy. We need, we need creativity, we need excitement, we need some energy, we need joy. It's contagious, it's evangelistic. So pray for those things. And some encouragement. Why don't you stay up here? Okay, um, so um, it's, it's 9 o'clock, but we'd like to take just a couple of minutes here 
and see if there's any uh, any any questions or or maybe better yet uh, some some comments maybe some some holes you want to fill in in what we were talking about. Here we go. Hi, hey. Ed. Uh, Hi, David. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have mentioned alone time as anti-us when you were talking through that. One thing me and April have found in our relationship is I'm a, I've converted into an introvert post high school, or maybe I've always been, but I do need that time alone to re-energize and gather my thoughts. And we it's been really beneficial in our marriage to have a scheduled night of the week where it's us time, like ourself. Like, you go watch your show, I will go play video games, or whatever, right? And that has been very beneficial for us. It's been very helpful in us being able to come back the next day or come back for our husband and wife meeting, be able to give it our all like, throughout the rest of the week. It's been a very, yeah, rejuvenating for us. So. Mm -hmm. So the so so the comment and it was a good one um, um, is about we're we're two individuals and we're coming to be together, and the, and those individuals need to be strong. They need to be uh, um, connected to God. Um, uh, they need to have time with brothers and sisters. So um, that is true, and it's very um, important in our marriage relationships that we have some time to be alone and time to take walks. What I was more referring to is the culture of sort of elevation of self. And um, so I, I, uh, I appreciate your comment. So, great. Other, yes? I, one of the things here it says about honoring, is there, is there a good resource about how to honor or what words to Say or what qualities to look for because I, I find that that just doesn't come natural to me. Maybe a few other you can probably doesn't come natural to you either. So I want to, I find it much easier to talk about things that you've done. <laughs> I find that much easier than honoring you for a virtue. Um, I think it's harder to, to uh, uh, I, I want to honor you for your perseverance. And then you cite uh, the way that you worked with that child that was having a tantrum and you, you, you so gracefully brought them to peace. I think that would be an example of, of honoring someone for, for a virtue that they possess. So that's good. Any other, any other help on that or anything else? Yeah, Randy. Yeah, another help is even if there's uh, like an area of struggle, I can often honor that person for persevering in that struggle or um, finding a way, turning to the Lord, expressing humility, um, striving continuously. Um, sometimes it's, 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 it's just good to go through the day and think about what they've done. And it's kind of, it, uh, Thanksgiving can turn into an honoring as well, and, and, and how they've been generous. So, it's words of gratitude for them. Mm -hmm. Great connecting uh, uh, honoring with uh, being grateful and and being thankful for the for your spouse okay other any anything else yes um, I just was I think the point that you made about speaking the truth and love and that the unique relationship we have in sacramental marriage um, just with that trust um, that you have with one another, that just the beauty that that's a place where um, God can get at things and really bring out full redemption in areas that are so hidden from the rest of the world. And, um, you know, like I think you were saying that friendship takes time. What a long journey, you know, to really 
go at that and continue to go at that and to love each other in your own weakness, you know, when you see things or they see your things that are just like, oh, but just a really, just, there's really a gift in that. And sometimes just, you know, you know your friends, your friends know you, and it seems like the things that, maybe I should just speak for us, but like my struggles hit his struggles. And it's like my weaknesses are the very weaknesses that meet up against his weaknesses. And I see that in some of my close friends as well. It's like that's a unique weakness or area of struggle that somebody else's struggle wouldn't rub like sandpaper as much, but your spouse's really does. You know what I'm saying? And I think that there's a way that God is just so wise in saying, all right, you two, let's go at it and let's work on this. Mm -hmm. It's really amazing. Yeah, and, and really, I think, I think one of the most healing things is going back to that, that faithfulness, I'm not going. And, and and year after year after year, you know, maybe you've had, maybe you've been abandoned in some way or another from a relationship or a, or a parent or whatever. I'm not going anywhere. That's healing, and and it helps you to believe that the Lord isn't going anywhere. You know, it's powerful. So even in the midst of all that, and yeah, it takes time. So. All right. I I would encourage you to um, uh, uh, during our during our fellowship time, you you may want to just uh, uh, do do some things if it's possible, couple to couple, as you talk, and maybe bring some of this a bit deeper. Okay. Thank you very much. It was fun. <laughs>